welcome to the Midlands Football Show, brought to you by Prost International. I'm Alex Wood, and yet again, I'm joined by Miss Nikita Gomes-Henschel. Hi. Mr. Harry Tizard. Hello. And Mr. George Wilson. All right, Alex, you're right. Are you excited for the cup final? I am. I, I love the FA Cup. I really am. I'm so excited. I'm giddy. I really am. It's brilliant. There's so much joy. There's so much to get into. Let us start then. Let's start with this part one here. Leicester City, we, we discussed it when they won the semi-final over Southampton 1-0. They have made a FA Cup final and now have to play Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea. That is this weekend. That is the big game this weekend. It is the biggest thing. That is why we're going to start the show with this one. And it is huge. Not only for the City of Leicester, for the club, but for football itself, if Leicester City win the FA Cup, it brings back its magic. Yes or no? I don't know. I mean, it's it's good that they've got there. Don't get me wrong. I think they're one of 24 league winners that haven't won the FA Cup, which which is a bit mental. So it'd be brilliant to see a new winner. Don't get me wrong. I'd prefer to see the team that they beat get into the final, but that's, that's my only personal preference. But yeah, that's exactly what the FA Cup's about. It's about the small teams being able to get there. And I know that Leicester aren't necessarily small, but I'm talking about the Marines, the Lincolns of a few seasons ago, the Sutton Uniteds. And thankfully, there is a different team in there that does have a chance to have a chance to win it. And I think they're, they're well in with a chance, especially because of Chelsea's recent, you know, couple of games that she, they've not quite been on it. I would slightly disagree with you, um, Harry. I really would. I, I, I don't want to start off the podcast by immediately coming for you. Um, but we'll, we'll discuss. Um, yes, Chelsea have been inconsistent, but so have Leicester. Um, Leicester's previous two games coming up to the FA Cup final, especially this week where they had two games in a week, um, losing 4-2 to Newcastle when they were obviously 4-0 down at, at one point is is not a good thing because um, Newcastle are not a good football team. And then obviously beating um, Manchester United um, when they put out relatively a B-side because they saw the Liverpool game as a bigger game um, and... Yeah, the, yeah, they got the victory and possibly secured top four um, in that ma- match. But Leicester have been off the boil themselves recently. Yeah, like you say, I think that Newcastle result was certainly a concerning one. Um, I don't think many people saw it coming, not even the Newcastle fans. But I think Leicester do deserve credit for that win at Old Trafford. You mentioned there the much-changed team that United put out with that Liverpool game in mind. But it's still not easy to go to Old Trafford and pull off a result like that. I think um, Luke Thomas's volley in that game was something to behold. Um, and he's certainly put himself up there for a potential start at Wembley. Um, so, obviously, we know that Leicester's situation in the league is far from over. And there's another big game against Chelsea coming up shortly after this final in the league. But I think that they've got to be focusing on it. They know that they haven't been in this position for a very long time being in a cup final like this. Um, their fans are going to be expecting them to throw everything at it and they should. So hopefully they're able to go there and get a result, but it's going to be a difficult task because Chelsea are quite some team. Yeah. I, as, as George said, um, looking to win it for the first, first time, Leicester go into their first FA cup final since 1969. Um, there's a host host of other statistics you can throw at them. Um, but this is a really, really 
it's a huge game for for Leicester City. Um, obviously, that they, they have much of their attacking threats back and fully match fit. Uh, we've we've discussed on this podcast before their missing of James Madison, um, Jamie Vardy not exactly being on the ball, um, and obviously the wonder kid that is Kalichi and Nacho coming out and performing on all cylinders. Um, so, what like area of you guys do you think Leicester really need to? have turn up for them this weekend? Well, I think there's a player there that you haven't mentioned who they definitely need to be available, and that is Johnny Evans, who wasn't there for that Newcastle game, and they really missed him. They really missed his leadership. Um, I think Rodgers has said in the lead-up to the game that even if he's not 100% fit, they're going to go with him and they're, they're going to play him. Um, and I think that's probably the right approach to take, to be honest, because as we've already said, these cup finals do not come along very often at all. And Evans has got that experience of winning finals at Wembley with Man United. So I think he really needs to play. As for Madison, he started on the bench against Man United, but I think he needs to start this game at Wembley. Nikita, what, what are your thoughts? Do you think Madison is going to be pretty vital to Leicester's chances of coming out of this game with that trophy? Definitely, I think so. Um, what <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, what I wanted to ask was like, who do you guys think is going to be like the man of the occasion, like between Vardy and Iheanacho? Um, obviously, I think Madison is going to be important, but I think it will be down to those two in the end. Well, I, I certainly think this competition seems to be one that Iheanacho enjoys. Um, and maybe his his goal scoring form has gone downwards a little bit slightly, but that's maybe being very harsh. It's only been a couple of games, um, but I think yeah. he'll certainly be very up for it. But I think one thing to remember is that Chelsea under Tuchel have been fairly solid defensively. So in terms of the chances, the chances they're going to get are going to be less. If Vardy and Iheanacho are able to take them, then they've got a good chance here. I think stats are on their side as well. And I know what George said about Johnny Evans winning the FA. He's never actually won the FA Cup, which is quite an interesting statistic. But more of the fact of they've not won in their last six against uh, Leicester of Chelsea. But Chelsea have also beaten Leicester in their last eight times in the FA Cup. So the combat of statistics, something's got to give in this game. Uh, but similar to what you guys have been saying, I think, I do think Iheanacho will be the key person. I think it's also a battle of that midfield and Didi versus um, against Kante. Kante, not necessarily fully fit, but he is expected to start. I think that's where the game can really turn over. And because it is that one-off fixture, I can see Leicester doing it. And I know what you're saying about Chelsea and Leicester not always, you know, maybe disagreeing with what I've been saying, but Beating at any team that's, like George says, Manchester United, you're still beating Manchester United, and Chelsea losing to a mid-table Arsenal side, that does do a lot for your confidence, for your mentality. I know people probably say that Chelsea should have probably won that game against Arsenal, but if Leicester can take the, the Arsenal blueprint of that game, then they've got a great chance of winning a trophy, especially because half, half of Chelsea's eyes will be on the next game on Tuesday to solidify their top four space, but also the Champions League final as well. It's, it sounds weird, but this FA Cup game could be the th their third most important game in the next three. It really could be. So, yeah, it's going to be a really, really difficult one to kill. 
What do you think is more important for Leicester in the, at, like, at this moment, the FA Cup final or their league game against Chelsea on Tuesday? I think because think of they, the... Mm, it's, it's think difficult. they can get a result in both? I mean, I mean, that is definitely the ideal situation, especially because they've got Tottenham in the last game of the season. It's not like they've got a team that isn't vying for anything because Tottenham will still have a half eye on those top six spaces and they definitely just, just secure that. But I just, think, I just think winning a trophy for a team of that, you know, that team's size, especially because of the points total they're on, they're relatively, I wouldn't call them safe, but I could say... I think winning the FA Cup for them as a club is more important. Don't get me wrong. I think the Champions League is massive. And I think debatably, it's, it's an easy debate to have to say that that's a bigger game. But I think physically winning a trophy, especially because it's their first major final since the year 2000. For me, I think that's their biggest game this season. It is this FA Cup. For Chelsea, I think it's the one on Tuesday. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I really couldn't agree more. Um, and I uh, I'll even go a step further and, and say Chelsea don't really care um, what the result... Obviously, they care about the result in the FA Cup final and this is there, but um, the top four battle to them is meaningless. Their biggest game of the season is obviously the Champions League final um, against Manchester City. And we, we could talk about that. To blue, uh, our eyes are blue in the face, but um, yeah, they're not a Midlands club, so we don't really care. Um, we just don't care. <laughs> it's not a game we give a damn about. Something as well, Alex, which I think we need to mention is that reverse fixture back in January between Leicester and Chelsea, because they've obviously only played once this time in the league. Um, that was one of Lampard's last games as Chelsea manager. But Leicester were better than Chelsea in every department on that night. And I know that people will say that Tuchel has come in and made so many changes, which has made them so much better, which I would agree with. But at the same time, the players since that day haven't really changed. So Leicester proved on that, that, that night that they are capable of challenging this Chelsea team and overturning them, which they did on that time. I think this game is going to be much more difficult they've got to take that with them and try and remember that game and think, yeah, we can do that again. Uh, again, I, I really hate doing this. I really do. I'm playing Debbie Downer today. I really am. I could not disagree more. Thomas Tuchel has changed that Chelsea side so completely from what it originally was back in January when he came in. They are a completely different side. They play different styles and obviously... You said the statistic earlier about them keeping so many clean sheets with Thomas Kugler and their defence is absolutely up there in the best of the league um, already this season since he's been in charge. The additions of Aspilicueta coming back, uh, we're seeing a lot more Kovacic, Jorginho, Kante playing a completely different role, even though, yes, he might not be fully fit, but he is playing a completely different role. Werner is even playing a different role than he was under Lampard. So, I, I can see where you are coming from. That Yes, they, they had that one up in the league there, but this is a completely different Chelsea side. It's a completely different behemoth with so many different heads that you've got to try and cope with. Yes, you've got Kai Havertz. Yes, you've got Timo Werner. Yes, you've got Christian Pulisic. Yes, you've got Ziyech from the bench, potentially. Yes, you've got a half bit and Golo Kante that you guys know all about because you bred him. You made him. You made him the N'Golo Kante that is this absolute beast. And then you've got the wing-backs of Rhys James and pot potentially Ben Chilwell. And then 
to try and score, you've got to go against like a six foot seven Mendy. Yeah, it's certainly hard to dispute and you can't get to the Champions League final without being some team. So I think it's going to be a challenging one for Leicester. Do you think it's time we gave our score predictions ahead of the final though, Alex? Where would you stick your neck on the line? Do you think Leicester can do it? No. No, no, I don't. No, Todd, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Leicester fans. I'm sorry, Pod fans. I'm sorry to everyone. No, I'm being realistic. No, I don't. I think it will be the fifth, the fifth final, the fifth FA Cup final they've lost. Sorry, apologies. What's his, his scoreline? 3-1. Nikita, what are you thinking? I think Leicester's going to edge through with a 1-0 victory. I think Ooh. they just, yeah, Ian somewhere along the last minute last few minutes of the game the last 20 minutes for sure i like the sound of that harry what do you reckon no i'm with alex to be fair i think having a having a chelsea team that are very complete in a defensive unit don't get me wrong i think i has done fantastically well and he's he's proven that he can score against big teams he's right against manchester united but for me i just think the defensive unit of chelsea combines with their attacking confidence now especially getting into that champions league final now werner scoring a goal here and there i do think they're going to do it it's not going to be it's not going to be a massive score it's just going to be a nice 1 2 i'm going to go 2-0 win but I, it's it's not out the blue for leicester to get a win but i think chelsea would do it on the day interestingly before we started recording this i was pretty set on Chelsea just edging it but I, I think the fact that we've talked it over I feel a bit more encouraged about what Leicester can offer now I think it could quite easily go to penalties I'm going to go with 1-1 it's going to go through extra time it's going to be a nervy one because we should point out that there's going to be fans in there as well so they're going to be a big a big help to Leicester it might be more difficult behind closed doors but fans are going to be important um I think it's going to go to penalties and I hope that Leicester win it on penalties. But there we go. Yeah, as George said there, 21,000 fans in there. None of them needing vaccines, but 36 hours before kickoff, they needed or need to show a negative COVID test that they have done. It's one of the testing trials that the government is trying to try and get fans into their games for the US 2020. Um, And it, Obviously, it's going to be brilliant. The referee that will take charge is arguably the best referee in the Premier League. It is Michael Oliver, um, and uh, he is a very, very good referee. Um, Stuart Burr and Simon Bennett will be his assistants, as they normally are. Um, And Stuart Atwell will be the fourth official, as Paul Tierney um, pulled a hammy in training last week. The... um, Obviously, history is also being made with um, it being COVID times and um, it being 2021 um, as Sean Massey-Ellis will be the VAR official at the game. So she will be the first female official to be involved in the FA Cup. Good stuff for Sean. That's that's absolutely great. Yeah, good to hear. Is is that right? She's on VAR rather than on the line, really? She's she's on VAR duty. So she will be at Stockley. I didn't know that. She, she will be. Um, she will. She has been appointed assistant video referee to the VAR, um, as Chris Kavanaugh will be the main guy. So she'll be the blur. She'll be the last that's in. Um, Michael Oliver's is, and Chris Kavanaugh will be the dude that is doing the screen and drawing the lines. 
I expect she she'd probably rather be on the line given all the contra controversy surrounding VAR. But never mind that. That's what they've gone with. Imagine if it's imagine if it's a it's a one all draw penalties. Jamie Vardy steps up to take the winning penalty, and VAR brings it back because um, Mendy's off his line when the penalty's taken. <laughs> Yeah, let's, let's not think about that prospect, Alex. I think it's time to move on. <laughs> move on, Michelle. And we'll see you guys on the other side of part two. Bye. Welcome back to part two, and I told you we'd see you on the other side, and you are here. We will now discuss everything that happened last weekend. It was manic. It was crazy. Three teams went down, three teams went up, three teams went down, three teams went up. It was absolutely crazy in terms of the EFL. And now, of course, when we immediately discuss the EFL, this podcast cannot start talking about the EFL without starting in a certain place in the Midlands that is called Derby. Derby County stayed up. Sheffield Wednesday, Rotherham and Wickham went down. And oh my God, it was mint. It was an incredible last day in the championship. It was certainly uh, an enjoyable one as a neutral, Alex. But like you said, we couldn't really have asked for much more in terms of entertainment. Um, I think if you'd have said before the day that Derby would draw and still stay up, I think you would have been quite surprised. Um, but ultimately, a draw wasn't enough for them because Rotherham could also only draw at Cardiff. Um, and I think it's incredible, really, to think that the results that Derby have had at the end of the year and still got away with it, um, they must feel incredibly relieved and surprised as well. But on the final debt, they still had to work for it. And Martin Waghorn, I thought, was excellent. He, he got two goals, including a penalty. Um, Patrick Roberts as well timed his uh, first goal for the Rams very well indeed with a pretty nice finish from the edge of the box. Um, but I think Wayne Rooney, it was a bit of a roller coaster for him. He was pretty relieved, but also quite emotional at the end because if they had gone down and gone the wrong way, then that could have been a damaging day for his future as a manager. But I think now that they've stayed up, we still don't know what's going to happen with him. We think he's going to continue next season, but that's still maybe a little bit in doubt. Um, but I think he will be very relieved, as I said, that he, he hasn't gone down and that that isn't now on his record. Yeah, I think we should discuss more more of the game because we like as as we said um, on last week's podcast, we discussed it and we were like, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a really dull affair. Mike Dean's probably going to do a Mike Dean thing, and it's gonna it's it's going to be really kind of a, a weird affair. And it was exactly none of that. It was a real like 
adrenaline fueled event that was just so fast paced and everything. And it was majority Sheffield Wednesday doing this. They were feeding the tension and Derby were soaking back, counter-attacking, soaking back, counter-attacking, like how they should have been doing all season because they've got so much pace in that side, especially on the wings. But yeah, um, as George said, Martin Wagon grabbing two goals is great for them. Um, we've said on this podcast before that they haven't scored enough goals and him coming up in big moments. I know Derby fans consider him a legend and he, he rightly is. He, he's pretty much single-handedly kept them up this time. It was, for me, it was everything that I expected, especially like at the beginning because I, I had predicted that Rotherham were going to, we're going to go up and Derby wouldn't be able to get a draw uh, or wouldn't be able to get through with a draw. But I was proven wrong and it was it was a bit disappointing in the end. Yeah, it's it's almost surprising with a, with a Mike Dean game for him not to be in the headlines. But th- thankfully, that wasn't the case and it was all down to the football. Um, it's just a pretty bizarre situation, I think, that Wednesday drew 3-3 and ended up finishing the season in last place in the division and yet one goal in added time would have taken them out of that bottom three, which is just bizarre, but it just paints a picture of just how tight it has been there at the bottom of the league. Um, but ultimately it's, it's really positive for Derby because it now means that um, moving forward, we know that they're likely to have a takeover. We're, we're not sure who that's going to be because th- there's been a lot of news surrounding that in recent days as well. But it means that whoever it is who does take over is able to build as a second tier team rather than a third tier team. And had it been the latter, it could have been a much more difficult task. Yeah, as George just said there, um, with reports and... Many speculation that um, the prospect buyer, Eric Alonso, has pulled out of the deal. He hasn't pulled out of the deal. Him tweeting that he hasn't pulled out of the deal and he's very much going to buy the club. Simon Jordan coming on TalkSport earlier today saying he is. Craig Hope calling Simon Jordan an idiot because he's definitely out of the deal. And Craig Hope reported it a, a week ago. It's just like, it is so crazy. And then you have Wickham... Um, the EFL hasn't actually pushed this forward and won't push this forward. You have Wickham saying that Derby should be dot points and they should they should survive. It, just manic. A special shout out to Wickham Wanderers, by the way. They won their game. They did everything they did. They just needed five more goals. <laughs> was it was it only five? I, I... It was more than that. I, I thought yeah, I thought they needed about twelve on the day, Alex, but um. No, fair play to Wickham. I think you say they're the points deduction, but the man I tend to go to for all the Midlands news is John Percy of The Telegraph. Um, And on the points deduction, I think he said that it's still hanging over Derby, but the chances of any sort of deduction being implemented on the season just gone is pretty unlikely. If it's going to happen, it's going to be next year, which is definitely a positive thing. Um, Well, it's not a positive thing, but it's more positive than what it could have been. Um, and then on the on the takeover, it does seem as if Eric Alonso is not going to be involved with that, which I think overall the Derby fans are fairly happy with. And Percy says that an American consortium are back in the frame for that. Um, but that's one that's going to develop over the next few weeks, I think. But they need to get it done sooner rather than later. 
like personally, are we happy about Eric Alonso not taking over Derby? And I want to say we as a podcast. Are we as a podcast happy Eric Alonso is not taking over Derby County? Because I'm quite saddened by it because he seems mad. It's always it's always good to have an interesting face taking over a club because just crazy things seem to happen. But they're also at the same time, he could have just exploded the club because you never know. You never really know if he's got the funds, if he doesn't have the funds, what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. So I don't mind the safe option being implemented. But all of this seems to paper over the Derby cracks because if you look at the championship last season they would have they would have finished rock bottom with the 44 points that they accumulated and getting what one point in their last seven was enough for them to survive so they certainly didn't survive on their own merit it's just because other teams and it's what we said and it's something I know I've said about three weeks ago and the fact that Rotherham just didn't have the bottle and they were so close they were so so close and then they gave away a stupid, I mean, I, I can't really remember the goal, but they gave away a goal that just, you know, that that's the goal that sent them down against a Cardiff, a Cardiff City team that just, you know, didn't really have anything to play for. So that's going to make them kick themselves. But they'll definitely be in the race to, to get promoted once again in, in League One next season. Yep. Moving on for the rest of the year, Phil, we'll just whiz around them and make sure that everything is there. Um, big winners of the final weekend, Coventry City. They beat Millwall 6-1. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, brilliant. Jordan Shipley scoring in back-to-back games. We mentioned him last week. Big fan of that kid. And uh, obviously, he's Coventry born and bred. So, really nice to see. Um, yeah, Coventry looking good for next season. Yeah, it's, it's really good to have seen them turn on the style in their last game. Six different scorers as well. And um, Millwall are not the sort of team that you expect to kind of roll over either. So it's an impressive win. Um, you would assume that a new striker will be top of Mark Robbins' list this summer because they've just let Max Biermu and Amadou Bakayoko leave at the end of their contracts. So you'd think that's who they'll go for in the summer. But yeah, I think they'll be very excited to head to the Rico, particularly after this result. Brilliant. Moving on, Nottingham Forest. Um, they fell to Preston North End in their final game of the season. Um, Man United Loney, James Gardner, still performing um, big things and big numbers. Obviously, he got on the score sheet again. Uh, he looks like a real talent for a high-end championship, low-level Premier League club to um, loan out to next season. I was going to say, there's definitely there's definitely scope for him to go back at Nottingham Forest. You know, Chris Hewton, he's known for his promotions and certainly Nottingham Forest could be on that list next season because you never know the championship if they get in that top six. But I can see him going to, like you said, a lower level Premier League top championship team and looking at their form at the end of the season and they win this in five. And I know that's probably, you know, due to holiday season, you know, we're not going up, we're not, we're not going down. So just sort of, let's just roll with that to the end of the season. But if players are going to want to stay under Chris Hughes, then they, they should have really performed near the back end because I wouldn't be surprised to see another squad overhaul, even if it's just an, a load of new loan moves. But yeah, disappointing for Notts Forest. But when he came in, their main aspiration was to stay up and they've done exactly that. So yeah, looking, to, looking forward for them for the 2021-22 campaign. Speaking of disappointing, um, Bournemouth, they stayed in the playoffs because they'd already secured player football. But they fell to Stoke City on the final day. Um, Stoke are another team in that championship bracket that will be looking for a striker or an attacking player because um, goals just really didn't come for them this year. 
Well, yeah, you say disappointing for Bournemouth, but ultimately, Alex, we don't care about Bournemouth here. It's about Stoke. <laughs> thankfully, they were able to finish on in a positive way. Um, William Forrester, who's a youngster, and I found out before recording this that he was born after I was, which was a bit scary. He scored for Stoke on his first team debut at the Vitality. Tommy Smith got the other one. Um, and Bournemouth played pretty much their full-strength team going into the playoffs. So a good win for Stoke. Um, it's, a, again, another big summer for them. I think Mark, Michael O'Neill, after the game, was praising John Obi mckell and saying how he'd quite like to keep him on board as experience next year as they maybe push for the playoffs. But there's a few players who their futures need to be decided. Yep, and um, moving on to the final one in the championship, the final Midland side in the championship, Birmingham City. Oh, Birmingham. You got spanked by Blackburn and Adam Armstrong. Um, and, yep, hat-trick for Adam Armstrong, the Newcastle player. Harvey Elliott, the Liverpool loanee, getting in on the scoring. And even... Um, Djokovic did score a goal for you, but brilliant. Unfortunate. Um, you guys build again with Lee Boyer. You had a fantastic end to the season to survive. Um, so, yeah, you guys go again stronger. And it, again, another big summer for Birmingham as well. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning as well. It was an, another very young Birmingham side because I think Craig Gardner said that they're just trying to give them an opportunity because they've done some good work in the under-23s this year. So they've decided to give them a couple of games because they've ultimately proven to be dead rubbers, haven't they? Because Birmingham already got the job done, like you said. Um, the summer for them is going to be an exciting one because their CEO, Yuang Don Ren, I hope I've pronounced that correctly, he's left the club's board. Um, and there's been a few fan protests over the last year or so so I think the fans are pretty happy about that and hopefully it means over the summer you know the, the right moves start to come in and Bowyer is able to take the club forward. We dropped down the division to the Sunday games because um, on Saturday uh, the championship in League 2 finished their thing so we dropped down Sunday before moving back to Saturday. Sunday for League 1 Oxford needed a win to get in the playoffs and unfortunately they swept aside our Burton Albion 4-0 and secure playoff football um, for Burton under Jimmy Floyd Asselbank we've discussed it on this podcast a lot and um, we will discuss it again and again and again because it has been mightily impressive under Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Um I think they're fourth in the um, all-time points in terms of since he's been promoted in all four divisions so yeah um, incredible Incredible stuff from Burton Albion. Yeah, I mean, they won't be too disheartened with that 4-0 result. Oxford needed it. They got it. Burton, not a lot to fight for. But their main hope and, you know, what will happen, well, you'd expect so, is that Jimmy Floyd will be there from the start next season. Like you said, he's been very impressive since his return to the Brewers. And they can be right up there. You know, they're in the championship just a couple of seasons ago. So they've proven they can do it. And who better to do it than, than under Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank? Yep. Uh, we move on to League Two and Port Vale Mansfield. Ooh, an old Midlands tie for the final day of the season. What would that be there for? And Mansfield won. Yeah, Port, Port Vale were on the beach. They had nothing to play for. Mansfield won. Um, Sam McLaughlin uh, scoring two for them. Uh, brilliant. 
Quinn got one as well. Yeah, we love we love talking about Quinn on this podcast. I tell you. Yeah, Stephen McLaughlin had a very Stephen, good afternoon. Sorry, um, yeah, uh, well, as you say, I, I'm a big fan of Stephen Quinn as well. And as you say, another goal for him. Um, but Mansfield have had a great end to the season. Four wins out of their last five. I think Clough is feeling very encouraged ahead of next season, and rightly so. Um, and last week, we spoke, we spoke about the possibility of Vale finishing in the top half. Of course, because of this result, they didn't manage that. But... Um, They've just let go 15 players on their release list. Um, that includes club legend Tom Pope. So they're having a proper clear out there. But I think Daryl Clark, his intentions are in the right place. I think he will have plans to push for promotion next year. And I, I think that there's a chance they'll do it. Yeah. Um, a quick word on Tom Pope. I think everybody that is on this podcast will ship your save. Port Vale legend. Yeah, I think he's their top scorer post-war, so yeah. hard to dispute that. Yeah. And obviously, famously scored a goal against Manchester City in um, the FA Cup last year, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah FA Cup. Um, and yeah, that had a right old time about it. Was all on Twitter trolling people about it and everything like that. Um, I, all I've seen is some Vale fans be pretty saddened by the fact that... Um, he won't get a testimonial because he's only been there nine years, not ten. Oh, yeah, I suppose we should probably talk about Walsall. They drew nil-nil. I was going to say, there's not, <laughs> there's not an absolute bucket load to talk about drawing nil-nil in what is a pointless game for both teams. But, yeah, it's just another thing of rebuilding for next season, really. Um, I think Brian Dutton, of course, who we've mentioned before, is on his way. That's been confirmed that he's leaving the club. Um, and I think that they need to get his replacement in as soon as they can so that the rebuild over the summer can start quickly. And by the time the new season begins in three months' time, they're ready to go. Yep. I think beauty of playing in League 2 and League 1 though, that when you have, you can just release so many players, or at least that it feels like there's a lot of players on one-year, two-year contracts. So if you've had a poor season or not to the season that you probably expect, you can just refresh that squad, find new players, and it can be a completely different season next year. We've seen it with Burton, they've released a lot of players. We've seen it with Mansfield, Port Vale, Warsaw. They can all have completely different seasons. Don't get me wrong, it can go either way. They could go plummeting through the leagues or they could go really shooting high if they make the right transfers, if they put in the right manager and they have the right infrastructure in place. But for teams of that size and that sort of league, releasing those sorts of players is, is a really, you know, you can be optimistic about the next season because you could have 10 new players that could all fit together perfectly with the system that the manager wants to play with a good preseason and anything can happen. Yep. Look at that. We managed to talk about Walsall more than, than all the rest of the League Two clubs. Walsall fans will be happy because um, they, they probably feel that we shunted them aside a little bit this season. But um, just just be better next year, Walsall. That's that's all I ask for. That's all I ask for. And on that note, uh, we will end part two. In part three, we will talk the Premier League.
part three, where we will cover the Premier League. Yeah, let's do it. Let's cover the Premier League. Um, it's very rare that in part three we're covering the, the biggest teams in the in the country. But yeah, let's do it. Um, Aston Villa, strange week for Villa. Um, they lost a one-goal lead uh, to Man United. Don't worry, Aston Villa fans. Everybody has done it. Man United have come from behind so many times this season to win it. They're, they're comeback kings. Um, and yeah, um, and then it, you drew nil-nil with Everton. Um, so you're probably not going to make Europe, uh, whether that's the Conference League or anything like that. You'll probably finish 10th. I mean, a positive that you can take that game is the equaling record of 15 clean sheets of the season. And Jack Grealish being back on the pitch. Yeah, certainly. I think the the European hopes, it, it's a shame that they haven't quite managed it, but I think if you told them at the start of the season that they would still be in the battle for Europe at this stage, um, they'd have been pretty impressed. I think we should touch on the Man United game, the Ollie Watkins sending off. He got second yellow for diving, although I have to say I, I thought it was a pretty harsh call. Do you, would you agree, Alex? I thought it probably wasn't a penalty, but it was one of those where it wasn't a penalty, but it wasn't a dive either. I thought he was pretty hard done by for that one. Like, originally, I didn't even think it was a dive. I thought he'd got sent off for challenging and, and colliding with the goalkeeper for that challenge. But then I, it's come out afterwards that he dived and that was the referee's decision. I, I couldn't understand it on the night. I still can't understand it now. I think, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it's extremely harsh on Watkins and it ruined my fantasy week. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Um, although, no, all right. All right, it, it, did, it didn't ruin the fantasy week. I, I could have had more points if he hadn't have been sent off. Um, but I think, because we've spoken about Watkins so many times in relation to England, I don't think it's going to damage his hopes. I, I still think he will certainly be in Gareth Southgate's thoughts. Yeah, I mean, most certainly. But I think if we go straight back to Aston Villa, you know, their season's pretty much over. They can still finish in the top half, which is something they would have loved to know at the start of this season. It's certainly something they built on. But I think the key is right in the fact that getting those 15 clean sheets, I think that's something they really want to start at the start of this season. Because if you're keeping clean sheets, you're not losing games. And it means that there's a bigger chance of, you know, staying up. And that was their main aim at the start of this season. And that's exactly what they've done. So that's certainly something to build on, be happy with. And getting four points out of an Everton side in the same season, even though the games were just 12 days apart, which is, it feels crazy. You know, there's certainly something they can be happy with. Yes, they'll be disappointed that they won't be able to get Europe. And that's something that they were so close, or at least felt like they were so close to doing midway through. But if you lose a player like Jack Grealish, then I think expectations do level down slightly and that's not something that they can control. Yep. Um, we move on to Wolverhampton Wanderers. They beat Brighton and Hove Albion 2-1. Um, Morgan Gibbs-White scoring his first goal for Wolves in the Premier League. Do we think he can be a? Do we think we can, he can be a bigger part of the Wolves' plan? Because that's that's a big stepping stone in his Premier League career. Yeah, um, I I actually do. Um, his season has been absolutely just torn up to shreds because he was sent on loan, obviously, at the beginning of the season to Swansea. Really promising loan opportunity for the kid. Like would have got a lot of first team football. Did it until he fractured his foot. Like, it's a big injury, like you can't really avoid it. Uh, got sent back to his parent club, scores for them, it, which inevitably proved to be the winner. 
against Brighton. Um, yeah, just really happy for the lad. I really like him. See as well, couldn't you, just how much that goal meant to it. Nikita, would you agree? Do you think that there's maybe a chance for him next year to start to flourish a little bit more? Oh, definitely. I was really glad that Nuno handed him a start. I think it was it was coming. It was his first start since January and his first Premier League goal. And like you say, you could see it on his face. He He deserved it and it meant a lot to him. I think, I think he's definitely in contention for like Nunu's future plans. I don't think we should write him off yet. I think that, that game as well as a whole, I think Wolves fans would have been very disappointed by the first half showing because, you know, Brighton probably could have been more than one up. But I think that red card, the Lewis Dunk one, was exactly what um, Wolves needed just to be shown, come on, let's take the game by the scruff of the neck. And it was pleasing that they were able to do that. So a good result. And, you know, they've got a couple of games left now, so they'll want to get a couple more points on the board. Yep. Speaking of getting points on the board, we move on to a club that just didn't manage enough of them. Um, West Bromwich Albion finally confirms their relegation from the Premier League uh, with a 3-1 loss to Arsenal. Um, all of Arsenal's goals were actually pretty good this game, um, which is the vast surprise for Arsenal. But we're not here to talk about Arsenal. Um, West Bromwich Albion relegated. We knew it was coming for some time. It's sad that it's happened, um, but it'll be a really good championship segment next season. I think that that's a, a positive, which that they won't be too, uh, too keen to entertain at this stage. Um, but I think the next two or three weeks are going to be important. I, I kind of relate this one similar to the Walsall scenario um, where I think Sam Allardyce has questions over whether is he going to stay for the championship? Is he going to depart? But I think they need to do that really quickly. They need to decide what he's going to do and tell the fans and also tell future players as well. Like you're not going to be able to attract players who are going to try and help West Brom go back up if they don't know who they're going to be playing under. So that needs to be their priority. It needs to be decided. Is Sam staying? Is he going? Um, and once they get that sorted, they can start to plan for it. Yep. Moving on. Um, it's very rare and it probably will never happen again on this podcast. But moving on, finally, we'll talk about Leicester City. Um, we already did majorly in part one. So this is why they're kind of at the end in, in part three. Um, but yeah, Leicester, weird week for you. Um, you lost four two to Newcastle. <laughs> and manager of the month, Steve Bruce. Um, and then you beat Man United 2-1. Um, what a turnaround, crazy week. Um, the Newcastle game especially was gnarly. And then the Man United game was mint. It's really nice to see Solantru back in form um, for Leicester um, as he has been a big miss in the centre of their defence all season. Yeah, like the, kind of just following on from what we mentioned earlier, that Chelsea game in the league is going to be a really huge one. But um, yeah. Have they made top four, do you think? I'm not sure. I was going to ask you guys, what do you think for score predictions for that game? Oh. Just a draw can damage like the whole prospect of top four. I think it all depends on the weekend's results. I think mentality changes for either team, depending on that. So what do I think is going to happen? I think I think it's going to be a draw, but I think that would also be enough probably just to see Leicester over the line with them because Liverpool have got really tasty features. I think Burnley, West Brom 
and Crystal Palace in their last three. So you'd expect nine points out of that. Chelsea have Aston Villa after Leicester. So it's, I don't think they're going to bottle it again, but there's definitely scope for that to happen. And I can definitely see that happening. But I think they've just about got enough points in the bag in recent weeks. Yeah, I think it's, it's ultimately impossible to predict the score of that league game until the cup final has been played. But um, it's going to be a big one for sure. Uh, we'll end on a big one for sure from Mr. Charles Wilson. So um, I will say thank you to every single one of you. Um, so thank you, Miss Nikki Gome Central. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Mr. Harry Tizard. Thank you very much. And thank you, Mr. George Wilson. Cheers, Alex. Enjoy the final wherever you might watch it. And to everyone listening to this podcast, you enjoy the final as well. See you guys soon.